Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. So before we get on to this week's episode, you may have seen that I ran a competition on Instagram to win advertising on this podcast. We are living in unbelievably challenging times for small businesses of all kinds and I was wondering what I could do to help and I came up with this idea which was what if I gave away for free advertising spots on the podcast which I would usually reserve for big brands as you know if you listen to the podcast regularly like Sainsbury's and Sweaty Betty. So I ran this competition on Instagram to win this advertising spot and the winner I'm so excited to announce is a beautiful business called the Mummers Village. The Mummers Village was actually started in lockdown by seven mums after the franchise that they all worked for went under. They're all from different backgrounds and parenting experiences and are incredibly passionate about providing unbiased education and support. So the Mummers Village offers evidence-based antenatal and postnatal education, both in person in Surrey, Hampshire and Berkshire and via Zoom. The antenatal classes look fantastic. They cover everything from hypnobirthing and you know I'm a huge fan of hypnobirthing if you're a regular listener of the podcast. I used it in both my home births to a newborn essentials skills, which looks fantastic and much, much more on the website. So please do go and check it out. The website is www.themummersvillage.co.uk that's themummersvillage.co.uk and if you want to book on to any of their courses they are very kindly offering a 10% off all listeners of the podcast just use the code motherkind at checkout that's mummersvillage.co.uk using the code motherkind at checkout here's this week's episode Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the Motherkind Podcast. I hope you're all really well this week. Did you know that we breathe 25,000 times a day and how we breathe can indicate how we're feeling and vice versa. We can change how we feel with how we breathe. I am getting absolutely fascinated by breath work and I am so happy that this week's guest is an absolute expert in breath work. His name is Richie Bostock. He is a breathwork coach, author and speaker, and he has made it his mission to spread the life-changing possibilities of breathwork to the world. And he is doing an incredible job with it. He has a new book out called Exhale, which I definitely encourage you to check out. It's such a good resource for anyone wanting to know more about how to use your breath, that tool that we always have with us to find calm, energy and healing. So Richie and I talk about his journey to breathwork, which in itself has so many brilliant takeaways and lessons for us all. We talk about some simple breathing techniques that we can do for different moments in our day or how we might be feeling to shift our energy. We also talk about how so many of us are breathing in a way that isn't serving us. No one really teaches us how to breathe in order to best serve our emotional and physical health so Richie tells us with a really simple exercise exactly the right way to breathe 
He also talks about how breath can be used for healing and why sometimes it's way more effective to get into body work healing such as breath work than traditional talking therapy and I loved that section of the podcast so I think you're gonna get a lot from this conversation it's really practical I think you'll find yourself thinking about your breath as I did a lot through the interview if you want to know a bit more about Richie or you want to see the show notes or the transcript for this episode it's all on my website motherkind.co just search for the episode and you'll find it all there there'll also be links to any resources that we mention and there's also tons of freebies on my website so definitely have a look motherkind.co here is the episode well Richie welcome to the podcast I'm really looking forward to this conversation Thanks so much for having me, Zoe. It's such a pleasure to be here chatting with you. Well, I was just sharing before we started recording that I finished your book, Exhale, last night, and I just loved it. I think I will never tire of hearing stories like yours where seemingly things and your direction doesn't make sense on paper, and yet it all comes together in this beautiful path that you found yourself on, now being known as the breath guy. So maybe that might be an interesting place to start, is how did you become the breath guy? How did breath become your thing? Yeah, well, they don't teach you about breathing in university. You can't get a university degree in breath work. I started my professional career actually in management consulting. So I had a very busy corporate job for about six years or so. I had, I guess you could say, the typical aspirations that one young person in their early 20s has around career progression and material aspirations and all of those lovely things. And actually, I was a self-professed real control freak and very type A goal-orientated person. You know, I had a 10-year plan marked out by the quarter of all the different things that I wanted to achieve, wanted to do, wanted to see, even things like, oh, so, you know, I want to get married by this time and have kids by this time and be living in this country at this time. Like you actually have control over those things. But, you know, in my mind, for some reason, I thought I did. But it wasn't until about five or so years into my professional career, did I really realize that that wasn't fulfilling me and that, in fact, I was really slumping further and further into quite a depressive episode. And I remember talking to my mom and dad, eventually confessing to them, you know what, I'm just really, really unhappy in my life and I don't know what's going on or what to do. And in their wisdom, they suggested, you know what, maybe you just need to take some time away from your life as you know it and go out into the world and clear your mind and maybe you'll get some insight. So I ended up, luckily, timing was in my favor in this sense, take three months off work and go and travel. And I ended up going to Peru and working in Peru in an orphanage for three months. And it was my time there in Peru and the experiences I had and the people that I met that very quickly helped me to realize what was going on in my life and what was, I guess you could say, not really in line with who I am. And unfortunately, it was kind of everything (laughs) from the work that I was doing to the relationship I was in to even the country. I seemed to have this desire to explore the world and to travel. And I had this real almost sense of claustrophobia, I guess. So you know, to cut a long story short, I ended up coming back to Australia, quitting my job, ending a relationship I was in for seven and a half years, selling everything I owned except for a suitcase full of clothes and my laptop. 
and ended up moving to Hong Kong in about 11 days. So it was a really big shift. And from that point on, I really just started to follow my intuition with no real idea of what it was I was going to be doing, where I was going to end up, except just to be curious and to follow my gut. And it led me down a road of learning how to code and running an app business. But it was actually before all this time that years ago, my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, MS. So during all this time, I was always thinking about him and looking for ways to be able to help him, whether it was lifestyle changes, nutrition, dietary changes, alternative therapies, that kind of thing. Always just in the back of my mind, keeping a lookout. And eventually I came across this man by the name of Wim Hof, known as the Iceman. Now, Wim is this amazing Dutch guy who's called the Iceman because he has 20-something world records all related to cold exposure. So things like swimming under ice for a long distance, sitting in a tub of ice for nearly two hours, nearly summiting Everest, just wearing shorts and hiking boots and nothing else. So really just a profound human being. And through his experience and training, he created something called the Wim Hof Method, which is a daily practice that everyone can do. That's great for everyone's just general health and well-being, but specifically, it's really good for people who have autoimmune issues. So I thought maybe this could be useful for dad and his MS. So I ended up traveling to Poland and doing this one-week immersion, this immersive retreat in the Wim Hof method, learning how it works and doing all the crazy things that Wim does, whether it's swimming in ice lakes or hiking around in the snow barefoot in your shorts for a couple of hours, minus three degrees outside, climbing the tallest mountain in Poland, again, just in your shorts, minus 19 degrees at the top. So doing all sorts of crazy and wacky things. But what really blew my mind was that Every morning we would go into the basement of this hotel we were staying in and we would do these 30 to 40 minute breathwork classes or breathwork sessions. And this was the first time I'd ever come across breathwork or, you know, really using your breath for any sort of reason or purpose. And it absolutely enthralled me as to how much of a change you can make in your state of being, your how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what's happening in your body, just by breathing in a certain way for, you know, a relatively short period of time. So that was really, I guess, the genesis of how I got into breath work. And to cut a long story short, my dad, you know, he now does his breathing every morning. He does his cold showers every morning, which is the other part of the Wim Hof method. So the Wim Hof method is breathing techniques and cold exposure. So it could be as simple as taking a cold shower, or if you have access to the ocean, maybe a cold dip in the sea, or if you have access to the snow and lying in the snow for a couple of minutes and changes nutrition as well. That's very important. And that progression of his MS completely stopped in his tracks. So really, really profound for him and my family to see what it was doing. And, you know, I continued to experiment with breathwork myself and had such amazing experiences that just led me to go down a journey of that lasted about three and a half years, traveling all over the world, learning from different people, all who do something interesting with the breath. So whether they are breathwork masters or yogis or psychologists, therapists, university researchers, doctors, athletic coaches, physiotherapists, all sorts of different people who do something with the breath. And now it's it's what I teach. It's what I'm here to do. And I just feel that it has such a 
potential to have a huge impact in this world because it's just breathing. You know, you don't need to be a fantastic meditator or a yogi or a vegan or a crossfitter or anybody. You can be anybody and breathe in a certain way, the way that nature intended for you to, and feel and experience profound shifts and improvements in your life. It's such an incredible story. It's so inspiring. And it reminds me of just that kind of, you take the next step without knowing you know, where you're going. You just leapt into the unknown and found your, you know, your passion for it just shines through and it it shines through the book as well. So you've mentioned this kind of word breathwork and if someone has never heard of it, what is breathwork and how is it different than maybe meditation or just maybe breathing? Like what is breathwork? So breathwork really is anytime you become aware of your breathing and then start to change it or modify it to create some sort of physical, mental, or emotional benefit for yourself. So it could be as simple as breathing in a certain way throughout the day for a minute, two minutes to maybe calm your nervous system or to create some energy when you're feeling a bit sluggish to doing things like the Wim Hof method, which is a bit more of an involved practice where you have to sit down and breathe in certain ways for 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes. You know, maybe some of your listeners have done some yoga before and know that there's pranayama with some breathing exercises there. And then, you know, all the way to the other side of the spectrum where you can Use the breath in very impactful ways where you lie down and breathe for an hour or two hours and can experience incredibly therapeutic moments of healing or even transcendental or spiritual experiences. So it's a very broad term for lots and lots and lots of different ways to be able to use the breath. And, you know, in a way it is a form of meditation. And actually, if anyone's ever tried to meditate, one of the very first methods that is often taught is simply sitting and becoming aware of your breathing and just watching your breathing. It's called breath awareness. That is a very, very common way of meditating. But what I would say how breathwork is a little bit different is in meditation, it's really about not doing. It's about maybe focusing on something specific and converging your focus onto an anchor into the present. Whereas breathwork is really more about engaging with your breath. It's about using it in different ways to create some very real effects and physiological changes in the body, which therefore affect your mind and how you're thinking and how you're feeling. So think of it kind of like this. Meditation mostly is about using your mind to get a control over your mind. Whereas breath work is using your body to get a hold of or control over the mind and your emotion. So in some ways it can be, I would say a little bit easier than meditation. For example, a lot of people will say breath work is meditation for people who can't meditate. I have a meditation practice every day, but it takes a bit of time to get into the flow or the groove of meditation. And for some people that can be quite disheartening when after a month of meditating, they're like, I still don't know if I get it. Whereas with breath work, because of how intimately linked the breath is to your nervous system and how it influences all the systems inside of you, as soon as you start to use your breath in a certain way, within seconds, it's making changes. And within a minute or so, you'll start to feel things. So it almost gives you that instant feedback of, I know something is happening inside of me, which is very, very encouraging for a lot of people. 
I agree with you. And I think, you know, when I was reflecting on your book in this conversation that we were going to have, I was thinking, you know, every single emotion is actually connected to breath, isn't it? When we have a big emotion, our breathing instantly changes too. You know, we say it takes our breath away or we we intuitively say to someone, take a deep breath or breathe in, you know, if we're going to deliver bad news. So then I think what's so exciting and what shines through your book is that the converse is then true. If we can learn to use the breath, then we can change our emotions in a way that might be more helpful to us. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a two-way street, like you said. So our breath is a reflection of the way that we feel, but it also means that we can use the breath to affect how we feel and what's happening. And that's what I want to get into because, you know, I think the listeners of this podcast are busy and gosh, having children is overwhelming at times. It's anxiety inducing. There's no time. That's something that really characterizes, or it certainly does my life as a parent of two. And what I love about breath work is that you can fit it in to your day. And I wondered if you could take us through some of your ideas around, which are fantastic, how to use breath to get more energy would be a brilliant place to start because I know I need that in my life. Yeah, well, one of my absolute favorite techniques, which is in the book, is something called Energizer Bunny. And I use this daily and is so quick. It only takes about 40 seconds to a minute and you feel something even while doing it within the first few seconds. So the reason why I call it Energizer Bunny is because it involves inhaling swiftly and quickly through the nose several times. And when people aren't used to doing that, they kind of start to scrunch up their nose and wiggle their nose around like a little bunny rabbit. So Energizer Bunny works a little bit like this. Now, if you want to try this, by the way, if you're listening, please don't do this while driving or operating machinery or in the bath or anything. You know, just do it in a place that's very, very safe where you can sit and just take a minute to just be and not have to worry or be distracted by what's going on outside of you. So it goes a little something like this. You are going to take three inhales through the nose quickly. So in succession quickly, and with each inhale, you're going to fill up your lungs a little bit more. And by the time you get to the third inhale, your lungs will be almost completely full. Okay. And then you just exhale, sigh out through the mouth, but it's quite fast. So I'll demonstrate it and you should be able to hear the pace at least. So it goes something like this. So in, 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 out, nose, 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 mouth. It goes that quickly and you just need to repeat that over and over again for anywhere between, let's say, 30 seconds to a minute. And as you start to do this breath, you might start to feel a bit of heat go up your neck and your head, maybe in your chest. You might even start to feel a little bit lightheaded, which is perfectly safe and is the reason why we don't drive or operate machinery while doing this exercise. But it's perfectly safe to feel a little bit lightheaded or a little bit buzzy really is just proof that things are happening inside of you, that you're making some changes. And yeah, repeat for 30 seconds to a minute and then just relax and maybe give yourself a few extra seconds just to sink into your body a little bit more and just see how you feel, you know, what's happening inside of you and what feels different and any buzzing or lightheadedness that you might feel or heat that will disappear quite quickly. But the energy that you created, that will remain for the rest of the day. 
And how does that work? How does that bring, if I've had a couple of hours sleep, which is not unusual at the moment, how does that bring energy that other things might not like coffee or, you know, not that I do that, but it's interesting to understand how it works. So a couple of reasons, and you can look at it from a few different perspectives. From the very Western physiological perspective, this way of breathing, this faster way of breathing creates a slight, what we call sympathetic activation in the body where you start to increase your blood sugar level a little bit as a result of the sympathetic activation and also just that increase in oxygen as well. And, you know, each one of our 30 trillion plus cells that we have in our body is a little energy factory and the inputs to go into this energy factory are glucose and oxygen. So it's just making the raw materials that we need to create energy a little bit more readily available throughout our body. And then the other perspective as well comes more from the Eastern tradition. So for example, in the yogic sciences, they talk about the breath, the air that we breathe in is prana, it's energy, it's life force. So when you are doing these deeper breathing techniques, you are flooding your energy systems with extra life force, extra energy, extra prana. So a couple of different ways to look at it there. That's so helpful. And I almost can't wait. <laughs> Not that I'm wishing the end because I want to try it. I really <laughs> want to try it. I haven't tried that one yet. And the other one that I wanted to talk specifically through was the afternoon slump. Is that right? Have I got it right? Yeah. Because I think that, again, is something that is so prevalent for everyone, but particularly parents, you know, gets that kind of 3.30. And I think it can be so tempting to grab some sugar Mm. or like another stimulant to just push us through to bedtime. So tell us about this breathing, when you can use it and how it may be different to the Energizer. Well, the Energizer Bunny is the one that I would actually recommend for an afternoon slump. So if you are feeling a little bit tired or you're feeling a bit sluggish, using something like that with that Energizer Bunny would be really, really useful. However, conversely, I guess you could look at it from a perspective of you had such a busy day and you know, you're know you looking at what else you have left to do and time's running out and you might just have this feeling of, oh my gosh, like this feeling of overwhelm perhaps of so much is happening and only so many hours left in the day to do it. And really just taking that moment to become present once more. And rather than focusing on what has happened throughout the day or the things that you need to do, taking a moment of becoming aware of your breath and then slowing it down. Because when we get into our states of worry or anxiety or stress, We are operating from our fight or flight branch of our nervous system. And what we can do is use our breath to be able to shift ourselves from that side of our nervous system to the opposite side. So what we call the rest and digest or parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. When you're operating from this part of your nervous system, you are going to be much more in flow. You're going to be much more relaxed and you're also going to be able to think much more clearly. So the best way to do this, the most simple way to do this is to start to slow down your breathing and elongate the inhales and the exhales. The fastest way to be able to, some of your listeners may have heard of something called heart rate variability or HRV. It's a fantastic measure of how flexible and dynamic your nervous system is. So if you 
have a good heart rate variability, it means then that when you are supposed to relax, your nervous system can easily shift into relaxation. Or if your nervous system is supposed to amp up and activate and get stimulated, maybe to do something like exercise, for example, then it can easily move that way as well. So it's very flexible and responsive to what needs to be done throughout the day. And the quickest way to be able to increase this flexibility and balance in your nervous system is to practice something called coherent breathing. And it goes a little something like this. You will inhale through the nose for six seconds and then exhale through the nose for six seconds. And that's it. It's that simple. So you can repeat this six second inhale, six second exhale for let's say at least three minutes. And what you'll do is straight away, you'll notice how calm you feel. But not only will it help you to calm yourself in the moment, but it's actually creating a lasting effect. It's like it's training your nervous system to be able to be responsive to what's happening in your day. So six seconds in, six seconds out, all through the nose, nice and slowly for at least three minutes if you can. If you can't do three minutes, two minutes is fine. One minute is fine, but try and get to three minutes. If you don't have three minutes in the day, then I don't think you have a life. Um, So just do your best. And if you can practice that daily, so not only are you using it beneficially in the moment, but it's actually training your nervous system at the same time and will have a lasting effect. I love this HRV idea. What I hear so often is parents you know, when it's time to rest, when it's time to have a moment or even get off to sleep, that can be really challenging because our nervous systems can be so activated through everything that's going on. So I think it's such an interesting, how do you do the test? Is it something that a listener can do themselves? You test your heart rate variability? Yeah. There's a lot of biofeedback devices out there that can measure your heart rate variability. The most popular one that you'll see amongst a lot of, let's say, like biohackers and that sort of thing is something called an aura ring, which is just a ring that you wear and then actually it collates a lot of biofeedback data just from this little ring. There's devices by the HeartMath Institute. There's another device called the Whoop Strap, which is really good for people who are very into fitness and a lot of athletes will use it. Also, we'll use HRV to give you advice around things like recovery, like how long you need to recover from your workouts. So yeah, lots of biofeedback devices out there, some expensive, some quite cheap, but they all are great. And uh, I would definitely suggest checking it out because you know you can learn a lot by measuring your HRV especially even throughout the day so try one of those devices Mm, but I think that breath is just such a good place to start isn't it it's so simple six in six out and I wanted to ask you so those are some kind of specific interventions you break down in the book about the types of breathers Mm -hmm. and I thought that might be interesting because Do you see that a lot of people are breathing in a way that isn't helping them in their life? Because we don't get taught. It seems so mad, doesn't it? That, you know, the thing that keeps us alive, we don't actually get taught. I know I never did how to breathe correctly to support ourselves. Absolutely. You know, we breathe somewhere between 19 to 27,000 times per day. And if you did anything else that many times per day, you'd probably have a pretty good idea of how you do it and why you do it and 
you know, how it can support you. And I travel a lot, or at least I used to travel a lot when we were allowed to travel. And it's fascinating as you go from country to country and city to city to see how as a whole, the breathing patterns change depending on where you are. So as an example, we live in London and in London, I would say about 80 to 85% of the people that I will work with will breathe in a way that isn't biomechanically serving them. And it only takes driving maybe 30 minutes or an hour outside of London and watching people breathe there. And that number goes down dramatically. So straight away, it it shows me and shows us just how much of an impact our environment has on our nervous system and therefore our breath as well. Because again, the breath is a reflection of how we're feeling. The most common, what we call breathing pattern disorder, is breathing higher up into the chest. And I think a lot of people, at least people that I work with, seem to be familiar with that idea that, oh, I I breathe shallowly and that's not such a good thing. What's really happening there is you're using secondary breathing muscles in your chest, in your neck, in your shoulders, in your upper back that are designed to be used to breathe just for short pockets of time when we are in our fight or flight response. Because our fight or flight response is much the same as when we were you know, cavemen and cavewomen. It's designed to face the challenges that we had back then. And usually those challenges were physical challenges, like having to fight off a bear or run away from a tiger. So these muscles are designed to kick in to help us to ventilate faster or breathe faster in order to bring in more oxygen and to expel carbon dioxide at a faster rate so that we have that energy, we have that fuel source to be able to physically move. But In this day and age, we don't really face many of those challenges, especially if you live in a place like London. And most of our stressors that stimulate this fight or flight response are the things that are around all the day, the fast-paced nature of our lives, all the notifications that we're constantly being bombarded with, all this information and stimulus, work stresses, money stresses, family stresses, relationship stresses. These are the things that don't go away. They're always there running in the background. And so we get used to using these secondary breathing muscles in our neck, chest, and upper back to breathe all the time. And these are sprinter muscles designed to be used for short periods of time. It's kind of like asking Usain Bolt to run an ultra marathon. You know, he's not going to do a very good job. His body isn't designed in that way, he hasn't trained in that way. So think about somebody who is stressed and what you'll often think about or picture is someone who's constantly grabbing at their neck and shoulders and complaining about how tight their neck and shoulders are. A lot of people think that's because maybe they do a lot of computer work or it's a postural thing. And those certainly can be factors, but I would say the primary factor is the fact that they are breathing in a stressful way, using these muscles all the time and they get stiff, they get fatigued and they get sore. The easiest place to get started is to learn how to breathe diaphragmatically or at least lower in the body. So what you can try is taking your hands and placing your hands on the sides of your ribs. So imagine like you're assuming the Wonder Woman pose where she puts her hands on her hips, but then just take your hands a little bit higher up your torso so they're sitting just underneath your rib cage. And then as you inhale slowly, see if you can breathe into those hands and feel your hands expand sideways. 
and try that a couple of times. And if that feels easy, then you next pay attention to your shoulders and your neck. And as you inhale, do you feel tension or do you feel activation or a rising, an upward movement of your shoulders? If you do, these muscles are still being used. So try and relax them. So the idea being is that you're moving from breathing high up into the chest to primarily breathing in the lower ribs where the diaphragm is. And this breath alone is a relaxing breath. When you breathe diaphragmatically, it stimulates something called the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve as part of your autonomic nervous system. And the more activity that happens in this nerve, the more that you're going to feel relaxed simply. Learning to breathe in this way, and maybe it just takes a bit of practice, 10 times in the morning, 10 times in the evening before you go to bed, nice and slow in and out through the nose, breathing into those hands, expanding the rib cage can really go a long way into starting to recorrect your natural breathing pattern. Now, there's a lot of other factors as well and a lot of other really great interventions that you can take that speed up the process. But in its simplest form and the best place to begin with, just practicing that exercise daily can help. And I think... What is great as well is that I notice my girls breathe really well. Mm. They kind of have this innate ability to do what you're talking about. It's because it's how we come into this world. Babies breathe a little bit differently because metabolically, a lot of different things are happening compared to, let's say, a newborn baby versus a toddler of four or five. Yeah, you know, we come into this world with this natural, open and flowing breathing pattern that is, it's almost hypnotic to watch. And then things in life happen and stresses happen, physical traumas happen, emotional traumas happen, habits start to accumulate and we move further and further away from this very functional way of breathing that we are designed to do. You know, just running through that exercise, I was doing it. You can't see me because our cameras are off, but it struck me what I love about your work and breath work is how simple it is and how effective it is because My understanding, tell me if I'm wrong, is that there's only one way to get from that fight or flight back into your sympathetic nervous system, and that's breath. I would say it's probably not the only way, but I would say it's the quickest and easiest way because it's almost like a formula. It's not like you have to try and think positively or convince yourself of something or distract yourself. Or It's as simple as learning to breathe in a certain way. And if you follow the steps, if you follow the formula then it has to happen. You're making very real changes into what's happening inside of you. And those changes will move you from that sympathetic fight or flight state into the parasympathetic rest and digest state. If someone comes to work with you and you notice that they're stressed out, you know, city living, as you say, maybe living far too much of that time in that flight or flight state, what are some of the other interventions that you do with that person to quickly get them into that state of ease and calm? When I work together with people, you know, a lot of the time they'll come, let's say if it's a one-to-one setting, like one-to-one client, a lot of the time they'll come with things around stress and burnout and maybe anxiety or panic attacks. And what's really powerful about this work is the, all the different ways that you can use it. So of course I can teach them like the things we're talking about now. So these quick interventions throughout the day that help you to be able to decrease stress or to create energy. But at the same time, if someone's, let's say, having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, there's a root cause. 
as to why it's happening in the first place. You know, I'll teach them the interventions that they can use throughout the day, but why not find out what that cause is and work through that and maybe release that or integrate that so that you don't even have any kind of inclination of worry or an anxiety attack and you don't even need to do the breathing techniques in the first place. And my favorite way to do that is still through breath work. So you can use these very deep and therapeutic styles of breath to go past the rational mind into the emotional centers of the brain and almost do like an exploration into what's happening with you emotionally. And if we find the things that are holding you back, that are creating the limiting beliefs or the unconscious beliefs that are causing you to have these, let's say, moments of anxiety, then we can release those and integrate those. And it might happen in one session, you know, it's really, really powerful work. And, you know, I love all forms of therapy. And I believe there's a huge place and value in doing things like talking therapy, but sometimes our emotions aren't necessarily logical or rational. So it can be quite tricky to talk your way through and to understand what's happening with you. And there is this great rise at the moment in, I guess, what you would call a classification of therapies known as somatic therapies, where rather than trying to logic your way through understanding what's happening with you, it's all about surrendering to your body and letting the body go through the process that it needs to go through in order to heal. So the things like TRE, trauma release exercises, somatic experiencing, breath work, these are all techniques that just follow the body's innate wisdom in order to be able to know what it needs and in order to heal. So I highly recommend, you know, if you feel like you're struggling emotionally or mentally to find your nearest breath worker and give it a go, because I guarantee you that the experience will surprise you. (laughs) It's so fascinating. And I'm kind of deep into this as well. You know, I've had a lot of somatic therapy I see a somatic therapist and I have to say having had kind of traditional talking therapy as well it is unbelievable the difference you know my belief is that the body wants to heal itself we see that when we get a cut and you know I think emotions and those traumas are no different the body knows how to heal itself but it's so true isn't it if we try and fix our mind with our mind you know Einstein said that you know gosh knows Mm. when if we try and fix our mind just with the same level of thinking that created the problems or is blocking the problems, then it can take an awful long, long, long time. Like it's not uncommon to hear about people in therapy, you know, 10 years yes. about the same thing. And I think what's so exciting about this world now that, you know, you're part of, you're leading in some way is that it can sit alongside those traditional modalities, but really it's helping people unlock their potential through healing a lot quicker. And I find that so exciting. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I can't wait for the day that a lot of these therapies, which to some extent are still considered a little bit maybe alternative or like fringe therapies, I can't wait until they're just really embedded in the health system because I completely agree with you. The greatest shifts that have occurred for me and the things that have impacted me most of my life are the things that have happened in breathwork that I never would have guessed or expected. And I believe that if I had the most world-class, experienced counselor, therapist, they would have never gotten to that because I didn't know. Like I no level of questioning or... 
introspection would have gotten to it because it was so buried deep in my unconscious and in my limbic system, in my body and in my emotional body that no amount of talking would have gotten there. So I agree with you. There's a hundred percent a place for all types of therapies. And actually, you know, whether it's talking therapy or coaching, it sits so nicely alongside all of the somatic therapies that exist. But I really believe that you can't have one without the other. They need to coexist together and be weighted of equal importance. Yeah, and I've come to see that too. And interestingly, my first ever experience of this was 15 years ago in a yoga class and I did a hip opener and just the tears. Mm. And that was my first like, ah, okay, you know, I'd read about mind-body, but that was my first embodiment experience in myself of knowing, ah, look at that, like something, I've been holding an emotion in my hip and I'm in this pose and it's released. It was such a pivotal moment for me. You know, I read the books, but knowing it is a totally different experience. Like I knew, okay, emotions are stored in my body. So if I really want this healing and holding that I knew I needed, then I'm going to have to get into my body more. I mean, I could talk to you all day about this. It's Mm. so exciting. And thank you for the work that you do and the book. I would encourage everyone to check it out. Is there anything before we close that you would want people to know that we haven't touched on or you think is important that you want to share? I would just love everyone to really go back to that childlike mindset of being really openly curious. I think as adults, we really get good at being stuck in our ways to some extent where, you know, after 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years of living, we kind of feel like we have it sussed out and worked out. And we kind of have this model of reality or this map of reality that we go, you know what, this is pretty solid. And quite often what happens is then people live their lives based off this map. And then all of a sudden something happens, whether it's an accident or a sickness or a death in the family, something that shakes them to the root of their very being. And from this moment of what might be grief or despair or anguish or sadness or rage, do they then allow themselves to open up to a new idea or to a new possibility of something greater to be experienced in their lives? And what I would ask all your listeners is to be curious and go, I wonder what else can happen for me. And rather than wait for what can be sometimes a very tough lesson or a tragic intervention to occur in your life, to point you in a direction, to try something new, maybe jump ahead of that, you know, get in front of it and say, maybe what can I do today that I perhaps didn't think I could do or didn't think was possible and remain curious, be open-minded and enjoy the journey, I guess. That's so beautiful. You know, the reason Motherkind exists is because I think becoming a mother is one of those events that you talk about Mm. where suddenly it throws, I know it did for me and, and, you know, I know this is a lived experience for many, it can throw everything up. And I think, you know, it can be such a time of turmoil and overwhelm and stress or, as was my invitation with the work that I do now, you know, that could be, as you're describing, like, okay, well, maybe now's the time to look back at what's holding me back. You know, maybe now's the time to get into breath work and finally unearth some of those traumas that I know are sitting there. You know, I think there's no kind of greater time, actually, 
to do that than when we become parents because we know this stuff gets passed down emotionally and through epigenetics. So, you know, that's where my passion sits as well, is helping people take these big moments in life to transform into who we really could be. That's incredible. And it just reminds me of a story a friend of mine was sharing about when she had her first child. And she knows that throughout her ancestry, there's been a lot of trauma. And when she first had her child, she was holding her child in her arms. And then this mantra just came to her head. She didn't know where it came from. She wasn't consciously thinking about it. It just came out of nowhere. And so she just started to repeat to her child, her newborn baby, over and over again, it stops with me. It stops with me. It stops with me. And you're so right. And I so appreciate what you said around things being passed down through generation, through genetic expression and and through other ways as well. The work that you do for yourself and the clearing that you do for yourself is going to really have such an impact on your children. So it's not just for you anymore. It's also for the family line as it goes down. And I think it's really important for all of us at this moment to really take that moment to be real, to be aware of what's been going on in our family constellations and say it stops with me. It's very emotional for me, you sharing that, because I have the same mantra. You know, I have a ton of trauma as my regular listeners know, you know, down my female line, down both lines. But, you know, that is my mantra too. I'm just so lucky that I get to have conversations with people like you that kind of help me continually learn more about how to do that. So I'm so grateful for your time and your work and your wisdom. So thank you. And I always ask the same question at the end of every episode, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? (laughs) The first thing that comes to mind is just a big, giant, massive hug. Um, Because we are moving into a new age, I believe. And as part of that age, I think that the work that the women do in this world is going to be so more recognized on a new level and so cherished and I'm just thinking about my mom right now as you ask me the question. I'm like, what do I want to give to my mom right now? And it's, uh, you know, she's in Australia. I'm in London, so we're very far away. And and obviously there's all these interesting things around travel and quarantine right now. So I'm not sure when I'll get to see her and give her a big physical hug. But yeah, to all the mothers out there, just sending you so much love, big virtual safe hugs, I promise. And yeah, I guess that's it. That was beautiful. Thank you. I thought you were going to say a deep breath or something, but I love, 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 love the virtual hug. If I wasn't the breath guy, everyone who knows me would say I probably would be the hug guy just because, you know, they talk about like love languages and that kind of thing. Um, My number one primary love language is touch. I'm just so kinesthetic. Like I I have to touch people. (laughs) (laughs) So this must be a hard age for you in Corona times. I live by myself in the flat in London. So when we were in the middle of lockdown it was like torture it really was really 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 tricky oh well it's been so beautiful to connect and hopefully I will see you in person soon when we're allowed to get back into talks and our well-being festivals 
Yes. For now, thank you so much. I've adored this conversation and I really would encourage everyone to go and check out the book. And you are very kindly going to lead a breathwork on my Instagram. So if you've enjoyed this episode, pop over to my Instagram, motherkind underscore Zoe, and you will find Richie on there leading you through a beautiful breathwork practice. So check that out as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, everybody. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. Also, just a reminder about the Family Reset Plan. It's my latest offering to parents. I think that we are living in probably the challenge of our lifetimes. Well, definitely so far. And as parents, we not only have to support ourselves, we also have to support our children. And that is a lot. So the Family Reset Plan is myself and two brilliant psychologists and we give you step-by-step, simple, applicable ways that you can support yourself emotionally to feel stronger, calmer, and therefore to support your children in a different way. It's all grounded in psychology and neuroscience. It's just £25 currently. And if you work for the NHS, it is totally free for you. So check out the website, familyresetplan.co.uk. Take care. I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.